I love the idea that people are binging on this podcast. It fills me with so much joy because I only binge on things that- It's fascinating. I only binge if on things We don't things have cliffhangers. We don't have cliffhangers. Or do we? <laughs> dun, 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 stay tuned. Welcome to Is This Working? we used to work have changed drastically but how we work hasn't in this podcast we explore how we can make work work better for us we're your hosts me anna codrerado and me tiffany Philippou. in season two we'll be exploring new issues related to our working lives including resilience boundaries goals and motivation We will be telling more stories from the front lines of modern work, and we have some exciting guests joining us along the way. This isn't about the future of work. This is about what's happening in work right now. Before we begin, we want to say a huge thank you to Moo, who is our sponsor for this episode. Whether you're a big business or a freelance creative, Moo is the place to go to to easily design and print quality business cards. We've got a 20% off code for Moo for listeners of Is This Working? Simply enter the code Is This Working at the Moo.com website for 20% off your order. That's Is This Working, all one word with no question mark. The code is also in our show notes. Thank you, Moo. We'll be talking more about Moo later on in the show. Last week, we talked about motivation. So if you've not listened to that episode yet, then go and check it out. Anna, I've actually been thinking a lot about you this week. Well, (laughs) obviously I always think about you, but every time I'm washing up the dishes, I think about you and what you had to say about that. How is that going for you? So last week I said that I tried to reframe my motivation for doing the dishes by trying to do a meditative practice whilst washing the dishes. And I have been trying that basically ever since, which was a week. Um, and it's actually been working pretty well for me. I mean, I'm not still not always doing my dishes, but I am trying to get to them more often and I don't hate the process quite as much. So it is, it's been working out for me. Great. And what else have you been doing this week when not washing those dishes? (laughs) So I've been seeing workplace dynamics everywhere in popular culture references, um, I mean, this is kind of, this is really obvious, but I've been binging on Esther Perel's podcast, How's Work. For anyone who doesn't know, Esther Perel, I would say is a personal hero of both mine and Tiffany's, but she is a marriage therapist who has a couple of really great books out all about um, modern dating and love and relationships, but she has now tackled work and how we work which is obviously very relevant to our interest right here on this podcast. Esther's Perel, Esther Perel's podcast is called How's Work. And what she does is she takes in people who have a working relationship and she gives them essentially the equivalent of a couple's counseling session. And that's recorded over a number of episodes. And the one that really stuck out for me was an 
um, one of the early episodes in which out of the conversation came the relevance of the two co-founders sibling dynamics so one of them is an only child and one of them I believe was an had a few siblings yeah had a number of siblings and the what uh, Esther kind of linked for them is this idea that your relationships outside of the office is something that you can't help but bring in to the office. I'm fascinated by sibling dynamics and how that really drives someone's personality and decision making. I actually was when I was listening to that episode by Esther Perel, it's the first one, I was thinking about how you are an only child and I'm a younger child and also how it'd be quite jokes if we got to go on that podcast and have a little therapy session. Yeah, Esther, if you're listening, <laughs> which you're not, please, please invite us on. But um, so somewhere else where I really saw this play out recently, talk about pop culture um, overlapping with workplace dynamics. I've been watching The Crown and I, I guess there is a minor spoiler alert coming up, so maybe kind of skip ahead. But in the second episode, in the second episode of the new season, it's all about the relationship between Margaret and the Queen, Elizabeth. And to me, that just screamed classic sibling tension being brought into the working relationship because Margaret is playing second fiddle to the Queen the queen is basically being a really bad boss because she's hoarding all responsibility and she doesn't want to share. And I just thought that was, a. I'd, I'd listened to Esther's podcast about sibling relationships and the, how those dynamics influence how you work. And then I watched The Crown and I just thought, wow, it, how our relationships really affect all aspects of work. So true. I mean, as a younger sibling to a far more responsible, mature, older sibling, I can definitely identify with The Crown's narrative. Um, But it sounds like workplace dynamics and thinking about that and talking about that is all the rage. So should we get on with doing that now? Let's make a show. (laughs) So when we're talking about bouncing back, I think what we're really talking about is resilience. And before we started recording, we were thinking a bit about how resilience isn't such a buzzword or not such a sexy concept anymore but because it's so related to all the other things that we do talk about we did want to explore this on this episode and there's one person who has always been talking about resilience and that is dear Harriet Minter. So Harriet Minter is possibly the one person who's had the biggest impact on my career For anyone who doesn't know Harriet's work, she is a journalist and broadcaster and public speaker. She writes extensively about women and work for a number of British publications, including The Independent, Grazia, and she's also got a monthly column in Psychologies magazine. And Harriet also hosts the weekly radio show Badass Women's Hour. And for the last two years, Harriet has made a unofficial Love Island podcast, which I am so honoured to say that I have been on as a guest three times now. Um, And Harriet and I met when we were working together at The Guardian. And that's how we forged a, well, what I kind of initially sort of would think of as a mentorship, which I'm happy to say has blossomed into a friendship as well. But what was really pivotal what was really pivotal in mine and Harriet's 
working relationship is that when I first went freelance, she gave me this incredible pep talk that I just wish I could somehow bottle up and just drink from every time I need a pick me up. Uh, It's actually something that I really hope that I will be able to share with other people because Harriet and I are uh, hosting a freelancer away day together in December, which is basically an opportunity for me to get Harriet to give a day-long version of that pep talk to fellow self-employed people. But um, I'll put all the details about that in the show notes. Um, And so we did a call with Harriet earlier today to talk about resilience and bouncing back. And I think we should play you that interview now. Harriet, to kick things off, do you want to tell us why resilience is so important and why it matters in a workplace context? Resilience is vital because we are, well, on the most basic level, we're probably all going to be working until we're about 70. Hopefully not me. Any second now, I am going to write a blockbuster novel or win the lottery and be able to retire much earlier. But on the off chance that that doesn't happen, um, I need to be able to keep going for the next 30 odd years. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm nearly 40 and I have to say 30 when I have 70. Anyway, I need to keep going for the next 30 odd years. And for that, you need resilience. So because those 30 odd or for you lucky people, maybe 40 odd years are not going to be perfect. They're not going to be bump free or drama free. Things are going to go wrong. You are going to miss out on opportunities. You're going to get fired. You're going to get made redundant. You're going to end up in a job that you hate for a while. You know, it's it's not going to be this perfect, beautiful, straight line graph of a career. Um, and if what happens is that every time you get knocked back in some way, you can't then get back up, you're going to stay down at the bottom. That was quite a long metaphor. It didn't really work. But you know what I mean? It's If you aren't resilient and you can't hold that resilience you are not going to be able to last out the sheer length of time that you have to work for. And when we talk about resilience, I want to be really clear. I'm not talking about, it's not just like, can you hang on in there no matter what? It's actually, can you last out the length of your career and have energy and excitement and enthusiasm and joy for it? Because if you can't do that, really, then what is the point? We've noticed that resilience doesn't sit in the same zeitgeisty place as words such as boundaries and burnout why do you think that is I think possibly because resilience does it does feel a little bit like the great corporate Microsoft office of the 1990s and we all want to be working for Apple right um and yeah boundary I mean boundaries sound sexy anyway right because we go boundary then we're all thinking instantly thinking ooh, what's my safe word um so so boundaries is just kind of a sexier word generally i personally think that probably tells you way too much about me um burnout i think has become really popular we've all started talking about how we've experienced that it's i think both of those have more drama to them whereas resilience unfortunately is a little bit like the eat your greens of the workplace health message it's very basic it's about doing the small basic stuff every single day that helps you look after yourself it's quite bland you know resilience is not go on a go on a retreat to thailand and feel better that's not resilience resilience is make sure you get enough sleep regularly and i i think unfortunately that that means resilience is not 
particularly cool, um, but I, it wasn't, the, you know, but if you look at what the cool kids from school are doing now, they do not have the young, exciting lives that those of us who are girly swats do. So, sorry, cool kids that I went to school with, but, um, you know, there is, ultimately, there is a little bit of just having to be realistic and having to be a bit like, yes, I have to eat my greens, I have to get enough sleep, I have to look after myself and I have to do that on a daily basis, and that's what resilience is, and no, that is not sexy. But you can have some sexy time with some boundaries elsewhere, so long as you've got the resilience too. Do you consider yourself a resilient person? Great question. Do I consider myself a resilient person? Um, I think I do. Yes, I will say that. I think so. When I was very, very little, um, I had so I had chronic asthma from the age of kind of fourteen months to really about seven years old. And what that meant was I spent a lot of time in hospital, so I was out of school a lot. Um, I had to be really aware of how I looked after myself. You know, I couldn't just go running around in the cold weather. I had to make sure I took my medicine every day. I had to be very responsible for myself from a young age. And I think the fact that I kind of weathered that um, has drilled it into me that I am somebody who comes back from stuff that other people don't. Um, and then there was definitely a period in my life when I was not a resilient person and I screwed around and had a lot of fun and didn't look after myself properly and then I burnt out. And so there's a level of knowing that it's okay. It's okay to not be resilient. It's okay to be somebody who, you know, wants to go and have some fun for a while. That's okay. Just note there's a price to it and then probably you'll have to come back to resilience in the end. Um, I think... I don't think, honestly, I don't believe that, there are, that resilience is something that is innate in some people and not in others. I think it is a concept that we have to learn and practice. So it's not that you are born a resilient person, it's that you practice the behaviours that make you a resilient person. You have gone into lots of companies and spoken to their female leadership teams. What sorts of things come up in relation to resilience and women in the workplace? Absolutely. I think some of the things I see regularly are, uh, first of all, that sexy word boundaries. So um, I remember somebody describing it to me once. You know, she was like, I'm a senior leader. I've got two kids. I'm married. She's like, my life could be constantly running back and forth between everybody and feeling like I wasn't giving enough to anyone. And she's like, actually, what I do is I set really clear lines. So she says to her kids, what's the stuff that's super important to you? That I will not miss. Everything else I might have to miss. And at work, she'll say, what's the stuff that really matters that I'll put my focus on? Everything else somebody else can deal with. And so knowing that um, you don't, you well, you can't do it all for a start, but also you don't have to. You're not a bad person if you don't do it all. Um, so that. I think also the knowledge that taking care of yourself is really important. When I see inspiring, brilliant female leaders, they are women that take care of themselves. They ask for help. They get support. This is not a kind of me saying, you know, you need to be a health nut and out running all day. That's not what I mean by that. What I mean is they know what they need to function in a healthy way and they make sure they get it. Um, and then finally, I would say, they don't, uh, no, they know who they are and they don't put a lot of stock by other people's opinions. 
Um, and that's not to say they never listen to feedback or they don't adapt, but it is to say at the core, they know what their values are. They know what's important to them and they live by their values. And if that means that that upsets someone else or someone else doesn't like it, they are okay with that because ultimately they like themselves enough that it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Do you think there is too much pressure on women to become more resilient? Yes, I understand what you're saying. I think, um, I don't think there's pressure on women to be more resilient. I think there's pressure on women to be more perfect or to be tougher. Um, And I think that is unrealistic. I think it's unrealistic. And I think there's also an element of having to say, no, actually, it's not about us adapting to the workplace. It's about adapting the workplace so that it works for everyone and by that I don't just mean women there are men burning out left right and center one of the things I was thinking about the other day is many years ago when I went for therapy I was so shocked to see more men in the waiting room than women which is my own personal unconscious bias there but you know we don't talk about this we don't talk about the fact that actually the working structure doesn't work for a lot of men as well as for a lot of women so I really believe that our rather than using kind of burnout or stress as a way to say to people, actually, you need to be more resilient, you need to be tougher. It's about saying, no, what's the lesson that we can learn from the fact that people are burning out in our workplace? That has to tell us something about our culture and we have to change that. And when we talk about people becoming more resilient, I fundamentally believe that that doesn't mean becoming immune to stress. It means becoming able to speak up and say, I am stressed and in order for me to not be stressed to be at my best I need this this and this Oh, that was so great. It made me so excited for your freelancer away day, which I will be attending if that helps swear anyone. <laughs> um, and that's in December. I think there are still some tickets left, right, Anna? Yes, there are. We'll link them in the show notes. All I'll say about that is um, when I booked it, I, as time goes on, I realise how much I need it and I'm so excited because it's essentially a whole day to sit down re-look at everything you do come up with a strategy and I just believe that giving it the time and space and with people who are so inspirational as leaders to help you get there is going to be awesome so I cannot wait I also want to tell you to check out Harriet's newsletter because I love that it's at tinyletter.com forward slash Harriet Minter and her most recent one on Emily Matlis and the Prince Andrew interview was fascinating all about soft power definitely go and read that and also on twitter just to loop everything back to the crown which is the theme of today she tweeted she tweeted with uh, her twitter's at harriet minter theory the only reason prince andrew did that interview was to ensure he had something stupid enough to be worthy of a mention in season eight of the crown so go check out harriet minter she is a wise wise woman really stuck out for me 
when Harriet talks about resilience was when she talked about why the word isn't sexy and how it's kind of like the eating greens of the workplace and I think that's so true like it's so bland isn't it like you've just got to sleep more you've got to it's like always like small things you always have to do and first of all just as a side note what she had to say about boundaries and quite literally how that sexy was hilarious but um I was also thinking about things like boundaries and burnout you can to a certain extent like blame other people it's like get out of my inbox or my area or my zen or my stress whereas resilience you can't be like stop giving me feedback stop rejecting me that's on you like it's so much more about yourself and how you can respond to that and it's so inevitable and I just thought that was really interesting yeah I mean it really made me think about something that Brene Brown has said about resilience. I also, side note, can't believe we've gone this long without name checking Brene Brown. We haven't mentioned her for quite a few episodes. For anyone who doesn't know, Brene Brown is another one of our heroes and icons. She is a social worker and researcher who does a lot of work around vulnerability and shame. And she, in one of her many books, she has written about resilience. So this is a quote from Rising Strong. I'm going to read it to you because I think it's essentially a very diplomatic way of saying that true resilience comes from self-reflection and from introspection. The most transformative and resilient leaders that I've worked with over the course of my career have three things in common. First, they recognize the central role that relationships and story play in culture and strategy, and they stay curious about their own emotions, thoughts, and behaviors. Second, they understand and stay curious about how emotions, thoughts and behaviours are connected in the people they lead and how those factors affect relationships and perception. And third, they have the ability and the willingness to lean into discomfort and vulnerability. So kind of what she's saying there is if you are in tune with your own emotions and you do the quote unquote work, that is how you build resilience. And it's exactly to your point where you need to turn the mirror on yourself and figure out the role you play and how you can build your own resilience. Absolutely. And as Harriet said, setbacks are going to happen and we're going to be working for a hell of a long time. So we have no choice but to become more resilient, essentially. And you know what? As she was saying that about having a really long career and that things will happen along the way, it made me think of a situation I was in recently where I went to a careers talk and one of the questions that the students posed was what has been a challenge or what setbacks have you had in your career? Uh, And there was a panel of about four of us, um, two women and two men. And the men said that they didn't have any setbacks. They didn't have any hurdles, which I absolutely, I found absolutely shocking. I mean, maybe it's true, but I think it's really dangerous when we tell narratives about our careers in which we don't include the difficult stuff because yes, we shouldn't scare young people. So in this context, obviously we were sat on a career panel at a school, so we shouldn't scare young people or put them off doing things, but you have to also be real with them because bad stuff is going to happen and it's happened and definitely happened in my career. And especially those things that are completely out of your control, we're 
we're led to believe that oh if you just work hard things will work out sometimes sometimes that's just not true you can work hard and you can still lose your job you can work hard and you can still get struck down by an illness or, or bad things will just happen to you and working on that resilience is something that is the only way that you're going to be able to navigate your way through it i wonder what those men could have achieved if they'd put themselves in scenarios where they would have had setbacks <laughs> yeah quite um, which made me think as well about what Harriet said about how people, some people aren't necessarily more resilient naturally than others. It's very much a practice, which I thought was a really interesting point. Well, I mean, this is the thing, right? Is that if we think about resilience, that's something innate to us, then if we th- perceive that we lack it, we'll end up feeling as though we're worthless or that we are quite literally missing something. So, then you start questioning, why can't I bounce back from this? What's wrong with me? Um, I'm just not strong enough. Rather than thinking, I, I'm, not, I'm not resilient right now. What can I do to build that up? Lem Sisse was on the Elizabeth Day How to Fail podcast the other week. Uh, a really beautiful episode. And Elizabeth Day, we obviously are huge fans of the podcast. We've mentioned it in the past. It's impossible to talk about resilience and rejection without thinking about failure as well, because that's obviously what comes after certain failures. But Lem Sisse, who is a poet who also has a memoir out called My Name Is Why, and it talks about how he was in the care system for a very young age, very harrowing story, really Um, upsetting but Elizabeth Day asks him were you born or cultivated with this resilience because his memoir is very upbeat Um, if you ever hear him speak he's a really high energy brilliant fun character and he said that we're all born with that resilience and when we're forced into that situation we have to reach for it and then we do and I think that's really true I think it's all in there and it's just almost like this practice that Harriet's kind of talking about and then he has a great quote um, which is taken from one of his poems which says I'm not defined by my scars but the incredible ability to heal which is lovely weirdly hearing that actually made me think about what the Facebook COO Cheryl Sandberg has said about resilience so she very tragically lost her husband and very suddenly and she's written a book with the Wharton professor Adam Grant called Option B, Facing Adversity, Building Resilience and Finding Joy. And she talks a lot about how resilience is something that you have to really build up. And it's something that um, is, you sort of piece together bit by bit and you have to sort of pull into yourself to find. And it's not just something that we have or we don't have. It's, it's, it needs work on. So it's so true that from my own life experience, and I actually mentioned this in my personal essay for Refinery29 about when I got fired from my job, where during my own experience of grief, my mum was like, everything else will feel a lot easier after this. And it was certainly true that getting fired did, of course, feel easier than that. But, and this is something um, that I do think is quite helpful with resilience is this kind of thought that this too shall pass because when you've been through something really awful you know that you got you recovered from that eventually and so when something less awful happens you can remind yourself of that happening and Harriet when we asked her are you a resilient person and she just said 
um but as she said that the story she used talked about her youth and her chronic asthma and I thought that was really interesting as well because she was essentially saying this personal story happened to me that helped me with my workplace resilience as well it really feels like and I guess this kind of connects all the way back to what we said at the very beginning where Esther Perel who is a marriage therapist is now moving into the world of work but resilience is such an area where you cannot separate your working life from your personal life and what happens in your working life will affect your personal life and vice versa and you can draw on experiences that you've had from one area to inform though to inform another area um and i think that's something where when we try to think about work-life balance and separating out you know leaving our work at home and not bringing our home into the workplace I think sometimes you you have to you do have to do that a bit because you say this all the time but we are one person we have one life and it's that work and out of out of office hours are just different parts of it rather than two separate lives for sure and on that similar sort of theme when Harriet talked about the things she sees with women in the workplace and she says that those who I think we should talk about by the way uh, kind of having resilience rather than sort of being resilient because again with what Harriet said and what Lem Sissé was saying it's not about you're not born with it it's something you build and create so I'm going to say you have it from now on but um she when she talked about the people who are no no who have (laughs) the most resilience they are people who very much know their values and their core and so often rejection and bad feedback and everything is opinions from others but if you know why you're doing something then I think it is easier to bounce back from that essentially which makes me think of our motivation episode and how that's part of the whole system I think I think also we say this a lot but we talk so much also about sustainability and sort of I think just being I think much like what we said in the productivity episode and what we said in the motivation episode is that these are not end goals. These are not destinations to reach. These are states of, these are states of being and they will fluctuate and all you can do is work towards finding these, finding more of these attributes in your day-to-day life. And similar to resilience, I think sustain, you know, okay, fine. Yes, obviously in the kind of uh, environmental sense, yes, sustainable is having a kind of fashionable moment right now, but it's also not a very sexy word. It's also something that for a long time has kind of been very much overlooked as a concept because I think probably for similar reasons to resilience that these are very hard concepts that you have to work on in your own life and you have to do a lot of reflection and personal discovery and personal growth to get quote-unquote good at them so they're just very challenging concepts basically and they also fit in I think also with a lot of the wider problems that happen in the workplace so you know Harriet obviously touched on this but there is there is kind of one aspect to this where we shouldn't be looking at resilience as a solution that people have to um, embody if they're feeling that they don't fit into a workplace or if a workplace isn't working for them. The solution isn't, oh, they just need to go off and become more resilient. They need to just go off and toughen up when actually the problem is the workplace itself. Definitely there's something bad about that toughen up, man up narrative and 
we certainly want to move towards more compassionate workplaces and I also think it's important to have the time and space to reflect because I feel like resilience is just as much about self-awareness as it is bouncing back yeah I mean what I found really interesting in thinking and researching for this episode is I found a really great essay in the Harvard Business Review about the dark side of about the dark side of resilience and essentially it um it talked about how if you take resilience too far you in a weird way actually lose that degree of self-awareness and it can um pretty much uh backfire essentially i'm actually going to read a quote from that piece because it was put a lot more eloquently than i think i can do justice to so this is from an essay in the harvard business review the dark side of resilience even though the resilient superhero is usually perceived as better there is a hidden dark side to it it comes with the exact same traits that inhibit self-awareness and in turn, the ability to maintain a realistic self-concept, which is pivotal for developing one's career potential and leadership talent. For instance, mul- for instance, multiple studies suggest that bold leaders are unaware of their limitations and overestimate their leadership capabilities and current performance, which leads to not being able to adjust one's interpersonal approach to fit the context. They are, in effect, rigidly and disillusionally resilient and closed off to information that could be imperative in fixing or at least improving behavioural weakness. In short, when resilience is driven by self-enhancement, success comes at a high price. Denial. Thank you again to our episode sponsor, Moo. I have so many fond memories of Moo because every startup I've ever worked at has used Moo to print their business cards. And I will always remember the excitement and feeling I got when my Moo box arrived to my desk because it would be because I was about to start a new job or I just got a promotion and it was almost like a Moo rite of passage. That's exactly how I also felt when I got my Moo cards when I went freelance. Um, I was also super impressed with the quality and the value. And yeah, getting those Moo cards when I went freelance made me feel like an exec. So go and get your own Moo cards with our special discount, which is is this working at Moo.com for 20% off. Let's get back to the show. Anna, how can we build resilience? I certainly am going through all sorts of rejections and work and life at the moment. So do share. So I think actually a big one is recognizing that the struggle is valid in the first place. So lots, especially also, let's be real, there are lots of really shit things happening in the world right now. And I think people have a tendency to minimize 
their problems because they're not quote unquote big enough in relation to some of the tragedies or huge world events that are happening. But I think it's really more than possible to have legitimate feelings about what you might think are just small things in your life and also care about those other problems too. And if you are feeling something that is legitimate, it doesn't really matter how big it is or whether it's, you know, a sort of eye roll first world problem or not. Well, we're biologically programmed to really physically feel and hate rejection because back in the day that meant you wouldn't survive as a human. And that coupled with this old fashioned work culture of denying failures and everyone having to project a certain image. And thankfully that is changing. It's no wonder that it's so ingrained in us to react very badly to setbacks. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, if we're talking about practical tips, something that we really need to appreciate and really emphasize is that resilience is really tied to emotional and mental well-being. And actually, it's something that Mind, the mental health charity, talks a lot about. So in all of its very practical tips it has about reducing stress and overcoming emotional and psychological difficulties, it talks about building resilience. And very much like what we've been discussing throughout this whole episode, from a, even from a sort of mental health perspective, Mind has a great sentence on its website where it says, resilience isn't a personality trait. It's something that we can all take steps to achieve. And I thought that was something that really stuck out for me, that even even in that context, resilience is is essentially being described as this thing that we keep coming back to, which is is a practice. It's um, It's something that's basically like you would do a yoga class or you would go to the gym or or um, whatever it might be. It's something that you just keep working at. And like with the gym, it's like muscle memory, so to speak. So like you keep building on it, but you do keep some of that. It gets better every time. Like I feel like the more you experience it, the more, the easier or quicker it is to bounce back, I'd say. So it does feel a bit like that gym analogy. Yeah, I mean, it's called practice for a reason you know you're when you you kind of need to be working on your resilience before you actually need it in many ways and my kind of way of seeing it is that it's just part of an overall good mental health hygiene approach basically and so you know things like getting enough sleep having a good support network um, you know, either meditating or doing a gratitude practice or journaling or whatever it is that works for you. All of these things are going to also help with your resilience. And something that I thought was really good on the mind, you know, I'll link it in the show notes, but mind actually have a whole page on how to, how to build resilience. And one of the things that it says there sounds really obvious, but it's around practicing being straightforward and assertive when you're communicating with others. So going back to this, this idea of if you do one thing, if you do something in one area of your life, it will help you in another. So in a place where you feel safe and comfortable. So amongst friends or family members start be, if you're more assertive and communicate better with them, you'll find it a lot easier to go into the, go into the office and communicate better with your boss or your colleagues or whoever it is that, that's giving you a, giving you a hard time. Should we end with Harriet's practical advice on 
resilience? I think we should because Harriet, when we called her up, had some really brilliant tips and some stories that she shared with us. So let's play those. Yeah, the final story really stuck with me. Here's Harriet again. First of all, know that everyone is going to face them. You can't get through life without them. So congratulations. If you've had a setback, that means in a way that you're moving forward. Um, It's a good thing. Uh, Secondly, know that it's a moment in time. So if it hurts, it it will hurt, but this too will pass. And you will look back at this at some point and think, oh my gosh, if only I hadn't, if only I, thank God I didn't get that job or didn't get that promotion because it has led to this instead. Um, I have two examples that I talk about a lot with this. So the first one is many years ago, I really wanted to be a hostage negotiator. Um, still do. Uh, I basically I watched a film about hostage negotiators and thought that was what my life was supposed to be. And so I applied to a hostage negotiation company for a kind of entry level role. And I didn't get the job. And I was really devastated about it because I thought, I really thought that I was, I was in for this job and I, this is going to be my life as a hostage negotiator. And the reality is that I didn't get that job and I applied for lots of other different jobs and then I ended up working at The Guardian, which is where I met Anna, and have a whole other amazing life because I didn't get that job. And it's a sliding doors moment, you know. So yes, right now I could be leaping out of a helicopter in South America rescuing somebody from hostages, But actually, I have a lovely life here in my London flat with an amazing job, lovely colleagues, a dog who's snoring in the background. So, you know, that's the point where you have to say when you don't get something, you have to know it's because something else somewhere else is waiting for you. And the second um, story I tell about this is that uh, in my 20s, I dated a professional poker player for quite a while. And uh, it was one of those relationships that should probably have been about two weeks long and actually was four years long and was, when it finished, I felt like a real failure. So I felt like a failure that the relationship had finished and I couldn't make it work. But I also felt like a failure that um, I'd kept it going for so long. You know, why hadn't I seen that it wasn't going to work and stopped it earlier? And when that relationship failed, I was really motivated to get a new job. I was like, okay, this part of my life is going really badly. So I'm going to make my career work instead. And I really focused on getting a new job. And because of that, I ended up working at The Guardian because I was so (laughs) convinced. I had like gotten into it. I was like, I have to get this job. Got the job, ended up working at The Guardian, did lots of different things at The Guardian. And then a few years after that, was working on a section which was all about women in leadership and from that I met a woman who said to me oh I know another woman who is running a poker tournament for senior female leaders it's for charity do you want to come along and play in this poker tournament and I was like yeah yeah that sounds really fun happy to do that and obviously when I'd been dating this poker player he taught me how to play poker so I go to this poker tournament which because it was for charity I thought you know biggest prize is going to be like a bottle of champagne for the winner or something like that you start playing poker, it's all fun, and I'm chatting to all the women. And then they announce the various prizes, and first prize is a Hermes Birkin bag, worth £15,000. And at that point, I really started to pay attention, because it had become clear to me as we were playing that actually nobody else really knew the rules or even what they were doing. Um, and I had a good chance of winning. And so I like played this poker game, got to the end, and won the Birkin bag. 
And about a year later, I sold that Birkin bag on eBay, took the money and put it into a deposit for my flat. And every time I walk through the door of my flat, I think, thank God I spent four years in that relationship that ended up failing because it taught me to play poker. And from that, I bought my house. This episode was brought to you by Moo. We've got 20% off at Moo for listeners of Is This Working? Simply enter the code IsThisWorking at moo.com for 20% off your order. That's Is This Working? All one word without the question mark. More details and T's and C's in the show notes. You are listening to Is This Working? With your hosts, Anna Kodrarado and Tiffany Philippou. The show was produced by Chris Bannister. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode if you enjoyed it. It will help other people find it. And of course, we want to hear from you because this podcast is all about how we can improve all our working lives. Email us at isthisworkingshow at gmail.com and tweet us at isthis underscore working. Thanks for listening. Bye.